It is Sam Sermons and another episode of What Do I Do Now? I'm really excited for this episode, but this one is very special to me because I've known this person since I moved to Atlanta back in 2012. Just an incredible human being, an incredible journalist, an award-winning journalist, and soon-to-be Emmy award-winning journalist, Miss Naima Abdullahi. How are you doing this evening? I am doing well, and I love the fact that you know how to pronounce it effortlessly. I'm just going to record you and play that for every time somebody gets it wrong. I appreciate that. I got to get it right. We family. It's love every single time we link up. And, of course, you know you do the TV thing. You've definitely put your stamp on that industry. But you also had to start in radio, and that's how we initially first met. And, you know, I just want to start off the entire podcast with asking, how are you doing right now in the middle of this pandemic? Man, you know, the busier you can make your schedule, the less time you have dealing with everything going on. I think because of how fast paced my grind and my hustle is, I haven't really slowed down much to assess everything from a emotional, psychological standpoint. But for me, you know, as a journalist, I can't slow down. So the reason why I'm constantly on the go is, you know, the news cycle doesn't stop. Our communities are constantly being impacted. So I'm feeding off that energy to make sure I provide representation at a critical time in our nation right now. And speaking of reputation, I definitely want to highlight early on that um, you are a proud East African, and I would love for you to really dive into and really expound on your diaspora of your background and your heritage and your lineage. If you can do that for the listening audience. Absolutely. I was born in Somalia, in East Africa. My family also lived in Ethiopia, portions of Ethiopia, and then Kenya as well. And we moved to the U.S. in 1996. Atlanta has been home since then, minus seven years after high school that I moved to North Carolina. But for me, representation is everything. Atlanta is such a diverse international city that it feels like little Africa, you know? <laughs> if you go to Clarkston, if you go to Tucker, if you go to Gwinnett, you're gonna see a huge level of representation in all those communities. So Atlanta was definitely a great transitional city as far as being black and excellent and being African and excellent all at the same time, you know? <laughs> so what's something that you've been able to pull from your East African heritage that has transcended into where you currently live here in Atlanta? Like, where did those worlds meet? Man, it's it's so interesting you asked that question. Sunday, two days ago, um, while the VMAs was going on, was it the VMAs? Yeah. Okay, it's hard to keep up with award shows. <laughs> um, Sunday, while the VMAs was going on, you know, God has a sense of humor and God has incredible timing. You know, while one of the biggest music award shows is going on, you know, I'm having dinner with the president of Motown Records. And Ethiopia is, you know, from East Africa as well. She's well accomplished. She's a product of Atlanta. But we were really talking about the connection of Africa and Atlanta at our dinner. And, you know, it was a private conversation. But for me to see someone who comes from both of my worlds reach that level of success and for her to reach back out and see me and say, sis, I see you. It's just, it's it's amazing. I think there's a sense of community in Atlanta where Atlanta looks out for Atlanta. So, you know, whether it's the diaspora or whether it's Atlanta, I feel like there's a huge sense of identity of both cultures that I embrace wholeheartedly, unapologetically. And there are so many successful Africans who also identify so much with the black culture as well that I know I'm among 
amazing, successful Africans, whether it's, you know, J. Cole's managers from Sudan. Um, there's just so many prominent people from the motherland who have lived the American dream that I know I'm amongst a community that's really inspiring the next generation of Africans to also reach for the stars, too. And in reaching for the stars, that reminds me of an event you had put on when I first moved back to Atlanta back in 2018. And you hosted an event and a, a discussion with two women. And those two women happen to be black women. Those two women happen to be African women that really control the sound of hip hop. They're moving the culture forward musically. And how does that make you feel as well as where do you see it going? You know, when I saw the success of Amina Diop, I knew automatically I was inspired by her story. And the women of story, the success of women in the industry is never amplified to the level that it needs to. Um, for a lot of structural reasons of how the system is oftentimes built against women, right? Um, but for me to see so many amazing African women in the industry do amazing things, I gravitate towards that energy because, you know, I know what my come up story is and I know the struggle of like, you know, growing up in a melting pot, growing up at the intersection of two different worlds and two different cultures. Um, so I want to make sure while I'm on my journey of making it, whatever that may be, I make sure I tell the right stories along the way. So I'm always like making sure if I have a seat at the table, you gonna have a seat at the table. If I have a video camera, I'm gonna tell your story. If I'm at a panel, you gonna be a panelist. So that's always been my energy of always making sure I reach back out to lift up someone else's story because it's just as valuable as mine. Definitely. And one thing that I picked up very, very quickly here in Atlanta, um, being an outsider, you know, coming down here, was that people to your left and your right, someone on the same level as you, is really willing to help you level up with them. I think that the collaboration in the city like Atlanta, you know, which one of the mottos is, is the city too busy to hate, is that you're willing to put yourself on and bring the next person on with you. And that's where a legacy starts. And someone that has been very influential in both of our uh, journeys and we've contributed to his legacy. Ryan Cameron definitely gave us that game early on. And quiet as kept, like he's the epitome of a real Atlanta legacy, especially when it comes to media broadcasting. Absolutely. And I would say Atlanta is the number one city where being a celebrity is not enough. Having the spotlight is not enough. Being verified on social media is not enough. That's why when we're at a you know celebrity softball game or we're at a fundraiser with this artist, that artist, you know, you're not gonna see a huge crowd of people rushing towards them because we see them as one of our own. And that's someone from our community. We're proud of them and we treat them same way we would treat a janitor, you know? That's Atlanta. Like you gotta do far more than just gain the world's attention to make an impact back home in Atlanta. And that's what Greg Street also taught us. Like that fame stuff, it, it's not legacy. Legacy is reaching back out. Um, so with that kind of mentality, you you grind different because you know by the end of the day, it's better to be verified in your community than social media. I couldn't agree more because we're in a generation where we didn't grow up with social media. We grew into social media where you know, if you was on your own block and you was riding bikes and you was like, let's be friends and you know, you just kind of had to interact. Whereas right now, there's a lot of people that just don't know how to do it. And they're relying on PR firms, things like that, just to get their foot in the door. And also not have Twitter fingers, because yes, that's a liability. Yes. <laughs>
and me and you both have seen people come and go on the death by tweet. Right. A lot of people who fumbled mini bags because of their Twitter fingers, you know? So I'm going to, you know, re-steer the conversation, you know, back to the sole topic is what do I do now? And in your case, you had decided to call me up and say, say, I'm getting ready to do this. And I'm like, oh, for real? Like, you know, I got your back and no matter what you're doing, I'm riding with you. But because I'd known you in one avenue, what you were getting ready to do just kind of took me off guard. But I want you to share with my listeners, with the listening audience, what exactly happened because it was a real change. And in fact, it was a life change. Yeah, for me at that very moment, I knew I wanted to experiment with media entrepreneurship. It's fascinating. Um, I wanted to build a brand outside of the traditional media space because oftentimes, you know, when you get certain media from traditional platforms, there's a way of storytelling that you oftentimes see that you want to know what could your skill set be if you kind of grew legs outside of that box. Um, So for me, it really came down to taking a break from what I was doing at that very moment. I knew that um, my my contract was up, my TV contract, and you know I told my boss at that very moment, um, I wanna take a break before I sign another contract. I, there's these passion projects I've never had time to do because of a certain schedule or structure. I just wanna go take a break, unplug, recharge, because when journalism is a marathon, you can't always be functioning at 100% level all the time. So for me personally, I needed time away to make sure I was digging deeper into my why. And what I did was I took six months off um, and I built a podcast brand. And then I started working with Vibe Magazine. I've done stuff with Fox Soul, nationally syndicated shows. I wanted my brand to have a bigger reach than just one local news station. Um, And to also have a reach in the hip hop space, which I'm passionate about, and the culture space. Um, But I wasn't done with journalism. I wasn't done with local news. But I wanted to at least go see what else was out there and to be creative, innovative, collaborative. And what ended up happening was, as you saw on my social media, as as I started producing all this content outside of local news, you know, more and more people started to see me as a culture journalist, culture expert, and this and that. And then, you know, 11 Alive reached back out and said, hey, could you see yourself, you know, in a freelance role? If you did come back, we know, you know, you didn't, at the moment, you didn't want to sign a contract, a Monday through Friday contract. Could you see yourself coming back to freelance? And I said, absolutely. And by the time I got back to TV a month ago, I got back in a day later, the John Lewis, C.T. Vivian stories started to happen, the breaking news stories. And those are stories I was so passionate about that it just felt like God's timing was working where I was supposed to be the person to cover those stories at that very moment in a TV space. Um, So I really trusted God and trusted his timing to be able to step outside of my comfort zone to grow in different ways and then come back to TV to also do TV content. So now I'm in a space where I produce TV content for the NBC affiliate in Atlanta, and then I produce content for Vibe magazine. And then I'm in the process of picking up two nationally syndicated projects that could really take off. But if I never believed in my potential, I would have never been able to grow as much as I have in the last six months. 
All right, so break this down with me because I understand that, you know, the contract, of course, was up. But was this something you had always planned on doing? Was this always in the wheelhouse of projects you wanted to accomplish? Well, the, the thing is, people in radio and TV, you move around so much that by the time you make it home, like that was supposed to be it. Like you made it back home. You on TV at home. You on radio at home. Like, you know, making it back to Atlanta after I spent so long you know, living in North Carolina, chasing my dream. By the time I made it to TV in Atlanta, I started really ask, okay, now what, God? Not in a bad way. I appreciate everything that, um, I appreciate everything that I've been able to accomplish, mentors who looked out for me, the amount of dedication to the craft that I've given, the sacrifices that I've made and that my family has made. But at some point you have to ask yourself, what's next? Not in the sense of, the next city, but should I continue watering where I'm planted or should I build a high risk endurance? And if you're able to ask yourself, what is a high risk endurance and what do I need to do to build that kind of momentum where if I go try something new and if it doesn't work, at least I was able to bounce back and try again. So for me, 2020 was really about building a high risk endurance, which Every mogul has had to do at some point. Everybody got to have a high risk endurance to make it to the top. And the top changes. The higher up you go, you redefine the top. So there's never really a top by the end of the day. It's just how you define it at every step along the way. Um, But for me, it was a matter of building a job title that doesn't exist yet and being okay with the fact that it doesn't exist because it's been waiting on me. That, that was a realization that I had. That the job title I want does not exist, and that's cool. Let me go step out of this box and go create it, then come back. So this entire breakdown of what you were doing, this is my first time hearing it out loud, and it's kind of like you just got to stand back and like, wow, like your foresight and your faith to really just pull something out of nothing, which has yielded so many great interviews and I definitely have to highlight that you were talking to Cory Booker and Bubba Wallace and Shanti Dyes and really getting interviews for the culture that, you know, the Shade Room can't cover, that Hollywood Unlock can't cover. They need someone that's really authentically inside that vein. And you did it. You made it happen. And I definitely want to thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned all the big interviews that I've done in the last few months those things would have never happened if I never stepped out on faith. And those very opportunities that started to open, I just want to give a shout out, first of all, to the editor-in-chief of Vibe magazine, Daytuan. Daytuan and I met last July, and I was in New York. I met with him, and he's been following my work. We never met in person. And I said, hey, I'm in New York, would love to stop by the Vibe office. You know, that office is also the Billboard and Hollywood Reporter office, too. They all are on the same floor. Um, And I told him my vision of, you know, being a culture journalist, culture expert, culture correspondent. I don't want to do nothing else that ain't culture. And he saw that I had a passion for that. And he said, build in Atlanta. He said, you can come up to New York and try to do it here, but you got to build in Atlanta. At first, I was like, but there's nothing in Atlanta. And he was like, exactly. And that's when I realized, huh, he might be on to something. 
And then that same day, later on that day, um, me and my friend, she's a journalist too, Nefertiti Jacquez. Me and Nefertiti met with Charlemagne and we had lunch right after the broadcast of The Breakfast Club. And I remember briefly telling him at the lunch that we had, and I was so thankful that he even carved out time to even have lunch with me. He's close friends with Nefertiti, but he pretty much said like, you know, Atlanta's where it's at with content. And I agreed and I was like, but there's nothing in Atlanta. And he was like, could you imagine how someone could pop in Atlanta? Because there's not a huge, like, like it's, it's like big fish, small pond here. If you got the credibility, you got the respect, you can move the pieces and make things happen way shorter than if you try to do that in LA and New York. Um, so all the pieces started to come together spiritually where the big homies, people who I consider the big homies in the game, like they made it, um, were giving me hints and signs that my stock value was in Atlanta. Why would I take my talents anywhere else? And that's what July of last year is when I really started to understand not only the possibility, but the probability of building a strong media foundation in our city. And that's why I was like, you know what, let me go build outside of local news, build different brands, a podcast, this, that, be known as the Elliot and the B dot of Atlanta in my own way as a female, and then take that energy back to TV every now and then too. And now I got multiple streams of, you know, putting content on multiple different platforms. Um, and it was hard for me to explain that vision to someone. I just want to encourage everybody. It's okay if people don't see what you see. It was planted in your head for a reason for you to go show them. But you got to be willing to show them because all that talking the talk ain't going to get nowhere. <laughs> so me stepping out on faith and trusting God was me walking the walk. I can't keep talking about something I can't show you. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go hunt. Let me go show you how I can gather. Boom. And I think that's all that needs to be said. Uh, I don't know how I can follow up something so inspiring and that will leave a lasting impression. So I got to do my due diligence and wrap this thing up. So tell the people how they can follow you, how they can get the content, how they can keep up with you. Absolutely. Follow me at Nemer Dreamer, N-E-I-M-E-R, Dreamer, D-R-E-A-M-E-R, on Twitter, Instagram. Y'all can also message me on LinkedIn. Don't forget about LinkedIn. People still use it. Um, and Sam, I'm proud of you. I'm honored to be on this platform. I think dream chasing is amazing. And when we do it with our friends who are also coming up in the game, doing amazing things, it's very motivational. You're on air in Atlanta and you saw that before anyone else saw that. So I just love the fact that you said, I'm moving back to Atlanta. Yes, it's a full-time producer job, but guess what? I'm gonna be on air. A few years later, guess who on air? You believed in you too, just as much as I believed in me. And can't nobody take that away from you. You built your own lane. And when you are right, you are absolutely right. You know, just getting back to Atlanta, getting my feet on the ground, running all over again and feeling to maintain the grind and the hustle that is required to be successful at this stage is something I definitely don't take for granted. And I appreciate you blessing me with your celebrity on this podcast. I appreciate it. Now the listeners appreciated it too. Absolutely. It's an honor. Anything you ever need, I got you. Even if it's a little bit of cash app. Naima, don't get in trouble in here because you know I will text you the cash app name right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's wait on a few more tax brackets and then we'll be good for life. <laughs> there we go. Miss Naima Abdullahi, I appreciate you joining us for What Do I Do Now? Definitely stay tuned in next Monday. 
for another episode. And of course, we got to do that follow up episode. So definitely make sure you're following me on all the social medias at The Real Six and the number five. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell someone to tell someone that this is the podcast they need to check out. Available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and so many more. Make sure you are definitely subscribing wherever you're hearing this right now. Meet me back here next Monday for What Do I Do Now?